Lean forward slightly. Look straight at the speaker. And listen with a sparkle in your eye. As though you might be thinking, gee, this is the most wonderful thing I've ever heard in all my life. Live from Hollywood, California, this is So I Married a Movie Geek. Hi kids, and welcome to So I Married a Movie Geek. I'm Chrissy McQueen. Justin Winters is with me as always. Before we get started with today's podcast, uh, we would like to apologize for not having it posted on Friday like we promised you. Uh, we had some extenuating circumstances this week. Let's just get the sadness out of the way. Uh, we had to put our beloved 12-year-old dog, Kylie, down on Tuesday. Um, he was really sick and... We knew this might be an eventuality, but he went downhill really fast, and so it was somewhat unexpected. And uh, needless to say, we had we had a really rough week here. But uh, in the interest of cheering up and doing happy things, we saw two Steve Martin movies yesterday. Mixed Nuts, you're welcome, Justin Marshall, and Roxanne. Justin, had you seen both of these movies before? Yes, I had. Which do you like better? Uh, Roxanne. Why? I think it's a better movie all around. Well, but I'm not sure why you say that. Is it is it just the writing or the fact that the acting was better or what? Um. Steve Martin versus Steve Martin here. Well, I mean, we're we gonna talk about them each of them, or are we gonna talk about them together? What, no, we'll talk on? about each of them. We'll go into each, but for for now, just across the board, why do you prefer one over the other? Um, Roxanne, I just like I I, th- I think the story and the writing was much better in Roxanne. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it was based on you know Cyrano, but Cyrano um, Mixed Nuts was actually I okay. When everyone's like, you've got to watch <laughs> Mixed Nuts, you got to watch Mixed Nuts. I'm a huge Steve Martin fan. He's like one of my favorite actors, and Mixed Nuts. Mixed Nuts was just not one of the ones that I watched a lot, I guess, when it came out. And I hadn't seen it in a while. And when we watched it, I was like, okay, I understand why I didn't like it that much. It's just not, um, there's not really anything going on in it. It's it's actually based on a French movie, which was in itself based on a, a play, a French play. And when I was watching it this time, I was reminded of that. And I was like, oh, okay, this plays more like a play. Like, it does. And it, it just doesn't move very well. Um, I mean, the, the first 15 minutes, I don't think there's even a laugh to be had. So, I mean, it's supposed to be a comedy. It was directed and written by Nor Ephron, who did much, much better work. Like when <laughs> when Harry <laughs> Met Sally, Sleepless in Seattle. I just didn't find that this one just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of a bummer. Well, it's an ensemble cast and ensemble comedy, and I completely agree with you. That um, I think Mixed Nuts would work better, and probably did work better, as a play. Uh, It was recommended by a good friend of mine, hello Justin Marshall, who uh, also loves Noises Off, which I also love. And it was through our shared joy of that movie and play that uh, he said, you have to watch Mixed Nuts. So I can see where he was going with this. And I laughed, I think, uh, a, g- a good portion of the movie. I laughed certainly more than you did. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, you know, rollicking laughter on the floor. It was definitely more of a giggling thing. And honestly, a lot of it had to do with Steve Martin. He is an incredible actor, and nobody does physical shtick. 
well, that's better what, than he does. That's what I mean. He had a couple moments where he could use that fish, the physical shtick, as you say, <laughs> and it was good. But the rest of it, I, it just looked like he was bored. There were any, there were even points where I was watching and he would say a line, and then right after he said a line, his face was like, "Did I just say that? That wasn't even funny." And and I was like, "You're right, Steve Martin." In that. <laughs> In that time and place, in that time and place that you filmed this, it wasn't that funny. Can you tell me like what scenes you might have seen that in that you recall? No, but that's the thing. It's like Teflon. I don't even remember that much about it, and we watched it yesterday. I mean, <laughs> oh, honey, welcome to my world. When you and I watch movies together, and you're like, "So, what did you think?" And I'm like, "Uh." You say we watch all these terrible movies, but we don't. We don't watch terrible movies, but movies that don't stick with me. And this, the, for this time, I think the tables are somewhat reversed, and that this movie just didn't resonate with you. Okay. I mean, in terms of a plot, it just didn't have a lot going on. Or it had too much going on, it could be well, argued. No, I think it had too many, like, characters, and they were all, like, caricatures, and they were all, like, vying for, like, screen time, and there's just too too many, you know, cooks in the kitchen, I think. You know, it's very much ensemble theater. That being said, uh, which character was your favorite and why? Oh, by far, I love Madeline Kahn. Oh, yeah. yeah. Madeline Kahn. What, uh, as, amazing. What is it? What is Mrs. Her, Mushnick. Mrs. Mushnick. Yeah. Yes. That was, she was my favorite when I first watched <laughs> it, and she was my favorite then. I just love Madeline Kahn in particular, and her, her voice that goes like this, and she talks like this. And through the whole movie, she's just, like, totally exasperated, and by the end of the movie, she's, like, what, slutted out and <laughs> yeah. had some sex on the beach. Because, like, oh, here's the dog hater. Why are you crying, Mrs. Mushnick? What can I do you for? And she's like, my old dead husband used to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I love Madeline Kahn. And, um... What were they singing when they were carrying the, the quote-unquote Christmas tree at the end? That was really Gary Shandling. Were they singing Joy to the World? Wow. Uh, I can't remember. The reason that I I, asked... I do know that this uh, movie has a great Christmas soundtrack. Oh, Yeah. That's that's another thing I like about this movie, besides Madeline Kahn. <laughs> well, that being said, I thought it was funny when, we were, speaking of Madeline Kahn, when they were walking down the street with the Christmas tree, and let, I can't remember, but let's say it was Joy to the World that they're singing, and she's like, Joy to the World, in the background. I was like, I want to grow up and be Mrs. Mushnick. That's it. I want to just grow up and be her. And when she's on the phone with the, with the pervert, she's like, well, I am very attractive, but I'm not young. I was never young. I like her. Hello? <laughs> Is there a woman there? <laughs> can I talk to a woman on Christmas? Um, sure, sure, sir. Yes, you can. Hello. Oh, I want to rub my thing all over you. I want to. What? Wanna... You're a pervert. Amazing. Oh man! So for people who have <laughs> haven't had the um, great luxury of seeing mixed nuts, um, we should explain this. Why we're doing this? <laughs> it's set uh, on Christmas Eve. Yeah. What's it really about? <laughs> Uh, it's about these nice but, you know, misdirected people who uh, help run a suicide prevention hotline for Los Angeles. And it's, obviously... It's in Venice. Yeah. Actually, but... Well, that's part of Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Well, I was being more specific. Oh, okay. My bad. That's uh, okay. Preventing suicide and um, helping people with depression doesn't pay the bills. So they're looking at getting evicted by Gary Shandling... Uh, who owns or is the super of their Venice building. Mr. Tannenbaum. Yeah, which I thought was hilarious. I was like, of course. You know, Christmas Eve, he's Mr. Tannenbaum. Oh, that's what they were singing. Oh, Tannenbaum or something. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so they, they talk to people who call and basically say either that they're going to jump off a bridge or shoot themselves or are sad. 
And they really do mean well. They really do, particularly Rita Wilson. She means so well, and she has such a good heart. But these people are kind of screw-ups in their own right. And so, you know, sometimes they make situations worse as opposed to better. Like, they keep telling people whether they're static to, like, click the line and just click it. And one guy actually kills himself. So it's a little dark. Stephen Wright kills himself in a uh, payphone booth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he, he was told to just click it. So he took his gun and he clicked it. That's another thing about this movie. There's a lot of good comedic actors, even in the smallest roles. Yes. When we uh, when the movie first started, we saw um, Steve Martin on his bike heading to work. They were writing the credits, and I was like, everyone is in this movie. Everybody who I like is in this movie. Jon Stewart is in this movie. How have I not seen this? Yes, Jon Stewart is in this movie as a rollerblading... Christmas uh, tree... Torting. Uh, he's like the quintessential Torting. L.A. guy. He's with his wife. They're rollerblading with their tree. <laughs> trying that's to pretty get, good. Trying to get it home. Although it's not, it's not a bad idea. When I saw him do that, I was like, that's not a bad transportation idea for a Christmas tree. Rollerblading down yeah, if you the can't, boardwalk? Well, if let's say you don't have a car that is good for tying it down. And even if you do tie it down, you could hurt the branches. Some of them fly off needle-wise. Like, it's just cumbersome. You can't walk. You see Bridget Jones or try that, and it doesn't work out. Not, maybe not Bridget Jones, but Meg Ryan in some movie. And it just never works out. So maybe rollerblading does work for that sort of thing. I, I could imagine rollerblading with you with a Christmas tree. I could imagine you on rollerblades, number one. What? I'm a good rollerblader. Maybe in, like, the roller rink, you know, but if you put you out on the boardwalk um, or the sidewalk. Excuse me, walk. You could barely walk. You just, okay. We were we went walking Runyon Canyon today, and we were noticed. I was noticing all these famous people we were walking by, and Chrissy's like, how do you, how do you see all these people? And then one time, we walked past, who was it? I don't remember. Nicholas oh, Brendan. Oh, Nicholas Brendan from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and Chrissy totally missed him, and I was like, what? And I watch, what she does is, she doesn't look up. She looks at her feet the whole time because what she said, she says, I will trip and fall if I don't. So no wonder you don't see anyone. Well, yeah. So, but we and also you're a giant. No if, wonder you see everybody. But if you're rollerblading with a Christmas tree, you can't stare at your rollerblades the whole time. You have to, st you know, look ahead so you're not hitting anyone. I understand. Well, that's the difference between rollerblades, though, and inline, uh, no, I'm sorry, not inline, quad skates, that you can, you can actually look ahead when you're wearing rollerblades, because you're not going to, like, trip on a stone and die. I roller skated on quads all the way down Hollywood Boulevard once to get to the subway back in that bleak year where I wasn't driving, but and I had to look down the whole time. You had trouble with that, but imagine having to carry a Christmas tree. Shut up. <laughs> Whoa. Fine, you know what? I'll do it with Jon Stewart. Can we talk about the surprising fact that Juliette Lewis is actually in Mixed Nuts, and she's not the most annoying part about the movie? She, no, I enjoyed her, actually. Well, she wasn't the most annoying part of What's Eating Gilbert Crepe, either. Think. Think. Who was the most annoying part? Leo. Leo wasn't annoying. You thought Leo was annoying in What's Eating Gilbert Grape? No, I just said, I didn't know. No, it was probably the mom. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like mentioning him. If I don't mention him once a podcast, something's wrong. Julia Lewis in the in the wrong ro role could be very grating. Yes. Um, but what what's an example of her in the wrong role? Uh, really? Yeah. Have to talk about her. Just can, for a minute. Can we talk about who was grating in his role in the movie? Sure. Adam Sandler. He was. You're right. Well, here's. I think. I haven't seen the, the French movie or the play that this is based on, 
So I can't, I don't know if his role was in the movie, but it seems like Nora Ephron in this movie just said, okay, we've got all this space to fill, be Adam Sandler. <laughs> and when I, when you say Adam Sandler, old school Adam Sandler, where he was just the voice and a guitar and he had like a weird, a cos- a weird costume. Yeah. And, and, and what was that song he sang? Um, oh, so many things to wonder. I was like, I have heard this song at least half a dozen times in my life. He must have did that on SNL and did they just rip it off straight from that and then, you know, make it about Rita Wilson? No, the thing is that's, that's the only thing he did pretty much when he was on Saturday Night Live. Right. So, so many things to wonder. Yeah. I mean, you could take a little bit of that, but that's him throughout the whole movie. He ba- he basically made his entire beginning fortune and fame on that character. Because that's all he played <laughs> in everything he did. Period. The end. Thank you, Adam Sandler. Okay. What did you like about the movie? Um, Because I come from theater, it was not lost on me that this was kind of like theater made for... Not television, but, you know, theatrical release. So if you separate that and you try to watch it as if it's being, like, a filmed play, it's much more enjoyable. Um, And, what? It's not very cinematic. Right. Thank you for, that's exactly what I was going to, trying to say, but however, um, badly. So, yeah, if if you can take the cinema out of it, then, then it's much more enjoyable. Truly, if you think you're watching a play that happened to be filmed, you know, but professionally, then you can enjoy it. That being said... Uh, it built upon itself. You're right in that it did start slow as far as the comedy and the laughter. The funniest thing in the first 15 minutes or so was Mrs. Smushnut getting stuck in the elevator and unwrapping all of the, like, the kids, um, what are those called? Musical instruments in order to be heard. <laughs> I'm in an elevator! Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, she was good. Anyway, but it built upon itself, so by the time the, the you know, the dominoes were, were flicked towards the end with Juliette Lewis... And the gun, and her terrible, terrible boyfriend. And, and they had this, like, seaside strangler thing going yeah, yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, side plot, you know. It, you know, once that first domino was tipped over, it then be, um, became more alive and funnier for me. And so I would say the last third of it makes the rest of it worthwhile. I think I think Steve Martin, I guess he was just playing the straight man in this. I guess that's why I didn't like it as much. Right, yeah. He's not as good when he plays the straight man. But, to be fair, I know we've brought this up in the past, but in the Father of the Bride movies, he was the straight man, and he was very enjoyable. But I think that's also because he had the role of narrator. It was his story. Mm-hmm. As opposed to this, where it was like, it was a merry-go-round, and he was like the little centerpiece, that little pivot, you know, that everything, like, turns around. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I guess. It's a merry-go-round story. It's a merry-go-round story. It is. Everybody is... All the characters are spokes of the merry-go-round, and Steve Martin just kind of stands in the middle with his arms out. Um, this was, I think, Lee Schreiber's first... No, no, second movie? He was great. He was great as... Oh, he was fantastic. As a cross-dressing... Uh... Transvestite. Yes. Yes. You we... thought, thought he was good? Yeah. Oh, gosh. For, for sure. Like, he was one of those guys where I could tell he had studied transvestites a little bit and he, he studied them well yeah you don't want to get it wrong he got it right how do you get it right he could walk in heels okay. his mannerisms were perfect because they weren't like playing overly gay feminine because uh little known fact a lot of transvestites are actually straight they just get a Whoa. no seriously a lot of people don't understand that but they get a kick out of dressing for whatever reason in in the opposite gender but they are actually... Like someone we know. 
Hey, yes. Bye. <laughs> We're talking about me, fellas. Yes. <laughs> I don't think I could find uh, women's clothes that could fit that me. That would be interesting. But um, honestly, they just do it because either they feel more comfortable in cross-dress or they get some sort of sexual excitement out of it, not because they're gay. And I think that he walked that line perfectly. Um, a lesser actor or person might have just played it to the hilt of gay feminism, you know, and done a disservice to the part. It, it would have almost been like, you know, Nathan Lane in The Birdcage, <laughs> whom I love, but that was different. You know, like, he didn't. He was still, like, masculine yet feminine. It was weird, but it worked. Yeah, I guess it would be kind of hard to say, okay, Nathan Lane, no, for, no more being Nathan Lane. <laughs> Stop being so effeminate. <laughs> I would Butch want, it up. I wouldn't want to see a movie with Nathan Lane being somebody other than Nathan Lane, to be honest with you, because that's what he does best. I think uh, Liev's character should have done more ribbon, was it ribbon dancing that he was doing? Scarf yeah. dancing? Liev Schreiber at one point is like, he, he has like, a, was, it, was it his cape he was doing with? No, with I, think it was a, a, I think it was a scarf. It was a Mushnick scarf. Yeah, he yeah. just wanted to dance he just wanted, Yeah, he wanted to dance with Steve Martin, and then eventually he took off his shoes and just danced around. And then he got shot in the foot and fell down. It was great. And then he fell in love with like Adam Sandler's character or something. They like became good friends. Yeah, and he became part of the cover-up because uh, what happens is, fast-forwarding a little bit, there's some gunplay, and Juliette Lewis... She's pregnant and crazy and is trying to wield a gun away from her crazy Santa Claus costume-wearing boyfriend. She does, and then just starts shooting randomly around the condominium. And people are like, what are you doing? And she's like, I have to empty it. I have to empty it. She ends up shooting through the door where Gary Shandling, the super, was waiting, and they accidentally kill him. So now the, the big thing becomes what to do with Gary Shandling's body. What? Why are you laughing at me and shaking your head because I fast-forwarded so much? Yeah. It's okay. Well, I'm getting to the good part. Let's be honest. Let's not just recount the plot. No. I, well, I'm, I had to do that part so people know where I'm going with this. Anyway. So they kill Gary Shanling, and then the question becomes what to do about his body. Here's my question to you, dear friends and fans. What would you do with um, a dead body whom you accidentally shot in the head... And there's about nine of you involved, and you all witnessed it or were a part of it, and you have decided, yes, we are going to cover this up on Christmas Eve. What do you do with the body? That's the thing. I think um, I would have gone with their plan that they nixed, which was chop it up, put in presents, give out the presents. <laughs> Who said that? It was Felix. Who are we going to give them to? Yeah, no, and then Steve oh. Martin's like, who are we going to give them to? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Okay, well, what, what, what would you have done? I thought it was genius that they wrapped Gary Shandling up in burlap and tried to make him the center of the Christmas tree. Burlap? Yeah. Burlap? Yeah. Sacks. Got it. And basically, they took apart their real Christmas tree and super glued all of the branches on to the burlap-sacked uh, vertical Gary Shandling and tried to disguise him as the Christmas tree. I didn't see where the, it was going, though. Like... That was a lot of work for, where were they going to take the tree? Well, they decided that they were going to take it downstairs and, like, leave it on the boardwalk. I would have taken it, like, to some sort of trash, you know, thing. And, you know, that way they don't necessarily know who put it there. And then hopefully they just put it in the wood chopper and they're done. Go off Fargo, throw them in the wood chipper? Yes. But they made a mistake of leaving his, like, Reeboks or whatever on because they kept sticking out the top of the tree. I was like, just take off his shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Oh, man. So what did you not like about this movie? 
Although, you know, it's funny because my favorite part was the last third, but also my least favorite part in a way was like the last eighth. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. I like the first like 87% of the movie, but the last 13%. I was so over it. No, I wasn't. It, it, you know what my biggest complaint is? What? Juliet Lewis decides to go into labor, like, in front of the Christmas tree on, like, the Venice Boardwalk. Yeah, this this was a joke that was set up way in advance with yeah. what she was wearing. Like, Oh, yeah. She was dressed as Mary, basically. And not only that, but the it was, like, two seconds from when she said, Oh, no, my water broke! To when they, like, push her on the hay and she pushes out a baby. Like, it happened that quickly. And, I mean, come on. we It didn't need to take 36 hours. But I, like, looked at Justin. I was like, oh, come on. And Rob Reiner just happens to be amongst the bystanders. and uh, Bystanders? Bystanders. And he's a veterinarian who's going to help deliver the baby. Really? Think, really? Makes nuts. I think my favorite part was it just came out of nowhere when they went to Rob Reiner. And he decided that he was going to do, like, a, solilo- a soliloquy. A, a Seinfeld soliloquy about pillows. Oh yeah! I don't understand it. My <laughs> wife has all these pillows on the th- on the bed, and so and they're some like have ruffles. Some of them have ruffles. Some of them have blah blah blah. He's like, you have you to have, take them off. You have the take bed. them off, and then you sleep, and then you got to put them back on the next day. What is with these pillows? Yeah, that was very Seinfeld. But um, it's funny because when we were watching it, I didn't know when the movie was made. I was guessing early nineties. Turns out it's nineteen ninety four. And I was wondering if maybe Seinfeld kind of copied it from that. But nope, they copied Seinfeld. So there you go. So the movie is based on a play called La Père Noël Est Une Order. Do you want me to see it? Huh? Est Une Order? That's my, um, I call it French. It's called Country French. Like, did you squeeze a man and you Wow. Right there it is. What are you seeing? Right there. Oh. Uh, le pe, pe is it? No, isn't it? Pere? I don't know. Who le pere Noel est un. Anyway, or dear. I, I just, I think just something was lost in translation with the um. Tr- it's like mon dear. Yes, you're totally totally right. <laughs> you're totally correct in this. Sorry, go on. Um, what were you saying? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's what I do. We were just talking, I guess, about the. The thing you didn't like oh my about God. was Juliette Lewis in the last eighth of the movie. Yeah, but beyond that, can I tell you, I I think I just figured out what what has thrown you off about this movie and about Steve Martin in particular. Uh-huh. He didn't have his gray hair. That's it. That's that's not something that will throw me off. That's something that th- will throw you off. <laughs> <laughs> like, Chrissy would see that at the beginning of the movie, and then she, like throughout the movie, Fixing. she's like, I can't believe he doesn't have gray hair. <laughs> This just doesn't work for me as a as a, as a piece of film because of his hair. You're right. I do fixate on crap like that. His hair was gray really early on. Actually, right. I actually uh, worked on a show uh, on him earlier this year where I had to go back and watch all the movies and like watch all these interviews. I don't know. I guess like at one point he just I don't know if he st- stopped caring as much, but just the movies, the output of his movies. I think it was weren't, just weren't as strong. It was just a mistake for um, him to dye his hair, and uh, I don't know. He was gray in pretty much every other movie, too, except for, like, the, you know, five minutes of Father of the Ride Part 2. But I feel like this movie, as far as the Steve Martin canon goes, is mm-hmm. kind of up there with Pink Panther. 
up there? Or you mean down there? Yeah, the ladder. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. You like didn't even, and you didn't even see Pink Panther. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, guessing when you when we peruse over Steve Martin's <laughs> canon, I think I would put this movie with X, Y, and Z. And let me remind you, I haven't seen X, Y, or Z. <laughs> Do you know? Uh, actually, Steve Martin was in the news uh, this past week um, because he gave a uh, he was in New York and he was promoting his book. He's got a new novel out that I guess is based in the art community. He's a big, I don't know if you knew this, Steve Martin's a big um, collector of fine art. I did not. Anyway. Like Thomas Kincaid, he's just the best. <laughs> Thomas Kincaid. <laughs> he's my favorite, right up there with Ansel Adams. The two <laughs> best artists of our generation. <laughs> I love Family Circus. <laughs> don't we all? In terms of fine art, I think Family Circus <laughs> is aces, guys. Come on, it is no far side. Anyway, he was um, <laughs> he was going to have a Q and A at the uh, is it the ninety two Street Y in um, Manhattan, which is known for being a um, place for you know art uh, appreciate appreciators appreciate what? Blah, blah, blah. Wait, I'm, I'm confused. People people love fine art. Anyways, give this at the Q- YMCA. Not the YMCA. <laughs> it's called the ninety. 92- 92nd Street Y. Oh, I was like, <laughs> like wait a minute, like transients who go in, they're like, I'm here for the art. What the? <laughs> I mean, we just said the 92Y, and I was like, why? Like, as in YMCA? I'm like, so they're not there for like a hot meal or shower or like the gym. I came to work my biceps and then listen to somebody talk about some sculptures. That's the way I roll. Then I'm back to the street into my box. Oh. Anyway, no, not the YMCA. Anyway, <laughs> I guess it's, you know, the Skirball Center here yeah. in L.A. Sort of like that, similar, but in New York. Anyway, he, he came for Q&A. He's talking about his novel. The, the person that was asking the questions, she's big in the art world. And the tickets were 50 bucks. So what happened was they started talking, doing the Q&A. And apparently the audience that was uh, there didn't really like that they were talking about the art world, even though his book is about art. And so someone sent like a note up to the, in the middle of the Q&A, to the person who was asking the question saying, talk more about Steve's career. And then apparently that flustered both the person asking the questions and Steve Martin because they're like, oh, are we not being, oh no, blah, blah, blah. So it became a huge ruckus, and then afterwards, the the Y, which is not the YMCA, <laughs> offered to refund tickets for the people that, you know, were disappointed. Are you kidding me? Yes. And I was actually just looking at my phone earlier. Oh, you are it, kidding me. Okay, And cool. he actually <laughs> wrote a, um opinion piece in the New York Times about it, about how, um you know, like, well, WTF, I was there to talk about my book. It's about the art world. Like, I wasn't there to talk about, you know... Uh, King Tut and Three Amigos and everything under the sun. Right. I thought about that one time. We actually went to see, uh, was it Henry Winkler? Yeah. He was, uh, he was reading a children's book. He was talking about his children's book at the Barnes & Noble. Mm-hmm. I guess that would be somebody, if, if somebody would have went up and gave him a note and be like, more Fonzie! <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That You just don't do that. Right, no. But um, to his credit, I think Henry Winkler would have made a great sport and probably made a joke about it of like, all right, guys, let's just get this out of the way because I know somebody wants it out here. 
<laughs> and then he would have like gone back to the kids' book. I could see him doing that. So who was do you do you think that they're in the wrong here for wanting to their tickets refunded? You know, oh, for wanting their tickets refunded, absolutely. Like that's just come on. You do, no you you don't do that. That's just not okay. That's terrible etiquette. With regards to wanting, you know, selfishly for Steve Martin to talk more about his acting or film career in general. More Father of the Bride too. Yeah, like I get it. <laughs> I get. It. I I can't see myself actually voicing that to somebody he, running the show, but personally, I may feel that way. Would I ask for a, a refund? No. Hmm. Or it could have been like the time we went to the Hollywood Bowl to see Al Green, Ugh. and he didn't sing "Let's Stay Together." He's a douche. I mean, really, <laughs> Al Green? Really, Reverend Douchey? We thought he was going to do it in the. At the end, but... The encore. There was a lot of white people angry at him in the Hollywood Bowl. I think there were a lot of people of every race who were angry at him as we were walking out. Yeah, they were they were really angry that he didn't he didn't sing that song. Seriously. That's why we came. <laughs> no, I, I like his other songs, but I just thought that... That's why I came. <laughs> it's not like Steve Martin where he's got like a lot of good movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that Al Green doesn't have a lot of good songs, but most people, like 99% of people know him because of that song. And also, I would assume about Steve Martin and the whole art thing mm-hmm. that a good portion, I don't know if this for sure, I'm just guessing, that a good portion of um, the proceeds for those ticket sales were going to some sort of charity or art thing. I doubt they were going into his personal bank account. No. So for them to ask for refunds, not only is it in bad taste and bad form, but it's almost reprehensible if it was going to charity. Well, and for like other artists that want to come there, you yeah. know, talk about their work, what like it's not crowdsourced. The Q and A is not crowdsourced or anything. <laughs> <laughs> they have like a wall in the back. Yes, people like text in their like favorite questions. Steve Martin, what did you think of Martin Short? Are you good friends <laughs> in real life? Does he talk like that all the time? People can be stupid. It can be or are most of the time. <laughs> uh, you know, I have to say, going back to Mixed Nuts for a second, um, I loved Rita Wilson, too. In addition to Madeline Kahn. I really did. I've seen her in a few things, and I thought that this was a good part for her because it would have been very easy to play this character as a nice wallflower. I think that she added some dimension to it. Really? Yeah. Because at first, she in the very beginning, I was thinking, oh, too bad. Rita Wilson's just playing a wallflower in this movie because I like her. She's spirited. But as the movie went on, I, I feel like there were more layers added to Catherine, and only because it was Rita doing it. Like, I think the character itself is kind of sweet and vanilla. Anyway, as a Christmas movie, I just, you know, there's so many more entertaining. <laughs> so many more better. <laughs> Christmas movies to watch. Would you like to name a couple? Christmas movies? Yeah, that you like better. Oh, I mean, everyone loves, I love Christmas Story. I love National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which Chrissy has never seen. Sorry. We'll have to watch that. Uh, Scrooge, It's a Wonderful Life. Um, Like, uh. Family Stone. Family Stone? (gasps) Yeah, I mean, Family Stone's good. Family Stone is so good. Okay. I love it. All right. So as Mixed Nuts, uh, how, what, grade, what would be your final grade for Mixed Nuts? B plus. B plus. 
That's pretty good. Yeah, I know it's pretty good. And the reason it's pretty good is, again, like I said, I could totally see it as a play. I think it really works as a play. The actors themselves are great, and their characters are well enough developed in the last third of the movie saves the rest of it, that it's it's enough for a good B movie. Wait, you just said the last third of the movie saves the movie? But you earlier you said the last... Eighth of the movie. I know. Lewis. I, well, all yeah. These, all these fractions and numbers. I think you're just like. I'm math challenged. <laughs> Seriously, guys, I have something called dyscalculia. Look it up. Okay. So B plus for uh, that. Yeah, because here's the, the reason I say B plus as opposed to B is because it's a B movie. A straightforward B movie. But, but is, as far as B movies go, it's a good B movie. Hence B plus. Okay. What would you give it? Eh, I don't know. C minus. <gasps> D plus. D plus? Wowzer. Why is it so bad for me? I, I just didn't like I mean, I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was terrible. No, but I think kind that... Kind of C. I'd probably give it a C. Okay, I was going to say, because if you give it a D plus, I, I think that's the worst grade you've ever given any movie on this podcast. Oh, yeah? Uh-huh. Well, this is not about me. This is about <laughs> you. <laughs> Whatever, Justin. My sister loves this movie. I know. She does, and that's always like. Well, Kristen loves it. My friend Justin loves it. I'll probably like it. But I like a lot of movies that she doesn't like. So, like what? What was that one? Oh, the Royal Tannenbaums. I never saw it. Yeah, apparently she hated that. Anyway, let's go to Roxanne. Roxanne. Roxanne, you don't have to turn off the red light. Or we could do the Moulin Rouge version. Roxanne. Um, Sorry. what was you, did you know about Roxanne before you watched it? I did. I knew of it. I knew it was based on Cyrano and, um, I know the basic plot of that. Mm-hmm. So I knew what I was getting into. Um, I didn't expect it to be as good as it was. Hmm. I really didn't. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Um, Steve Martin obviously carries the movie, which, you know, he does in pretty much everything that he's in. But uh, Daryl Hannah was surprisingly likable because I normally get annoyed with her. Really? Yeah. Do you have a tiff with Daryl Hannah that I don't know about? I don't have a tiff with Daryl Hannah. It's probably just jealousy. But she... Uh, no, really, truly. I, well, I'm, I'm honest about my jealousy. She's really tall and blonde. What and do you, she, what do you right. mean? Right. You're short and blonde. And she's pin thin. And I'm jealous. But anyway... Um, like I saw Splash and stuff like that and I was like, yeah, she, I think she's just a pretty face and not a very good actress and I think she's kind of one dimensional. Um, but upon seeing this, I feel like she, I might not have given her enough credit in the past. Oh. Sorry, Dara Hannah. Sorry, Dara. She, she has a lot of movies when she's, where she's naked, by the way. Well, when you look like that, yeah, you might as well. I mean, in Splash, she was, she just walked up onto the beach and she was naked. Right. You know, she was considered, uh, we did a podcast once on uh, the Blue Lagoon, and she was considered for Brooke Shields' part. Oh, really? Yeah. She was, like, 19, and they wanted someone that looked 12. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, no, Daryl Hannah, you're way too... She's like, but I want to be naked in more films. Please. I want to throw off my clothes. She was in a movie, like, it's within the last 10 years where she played a stripper, and I just remember knowing that because oh. she talked about how much um, how degrading research she did by like going to Crazy Girls. I think she actually said Crazy Girls, which is right around the corner on La Brea. No, but there was another movie. Um, I can't now. I can't remember. There was another movie that she was considered for for a part where she would have had to do some sort of nudity or you know play something. And she said she didn't want it because it was too denigrating to women. And then like two movies later, she made the movie where she was a stripper. <laughs> 
So that's pretty funny. See, that's a that's a lesson for all you actresses out there. <laughs> never say never because, you know, a couple years down the line. Oh, oh I remember. My, it was Pretty Woman. Get... She was offered the part of um, of uh, Vivian's character in Pretty Woman, and she didn't take it because she thought it was denigrating to women. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that isn't a perfect reaction, I don't know what is. There was another movie she was in where it was like set in, was it Africa or something? It might have been. Um, was, I just remember being naked with like Kathy Bates. No, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Dude, there is seriously a movie where she's naked with Kathy Bates. Is Kathy Bates naked? Yes. <gasps> what? And anyone that who's seen, was it About Schmidt, the one with Jack Nicholson, where she was naked? Did Kathy? You, yeah. No, I know she's naked in it, but... She gets into a hot tub. Yeah, that I know. Naked. I know. And you love Kathy Bates because she was in Titanic. And she was in uh, Revolutionary Road with Kate and Leo. Anyway, so what, um, on the whole, Roxanne, what did you what did you like best about it? Oh, uh, the writing. The writing? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it flowed. It had good um, character arcs, and it it was one of those movies where you never stop to go. Ah, are we still watching this, or is this still happening? I, and by far, by far, the best part of the movie is when Steve Martin wraps up and sends home that guy in the bar about um, making fun of his nose. Ah, uh, those so good. There's a uh, uh, a monologue in the bar. Where um guy says something about it. Hey, had, big nose. Hey, big nose. Cause, uh, <laughs> and so he thinks up, you know, I think it's actually 24. Like the math gets kind of whacked Fuzzy, in the middle. Yeah. You're like, that's more than 20, but go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> but I agree. that I, I like that scene as well. Um, You want to guess who wrote the movie Roxanne? I, I saw it in the credits, but now I can't remember. Steve Martin. Yeah, that's right. He And didn't he also uh, help produce it? I think he did. Yeah. 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 Okay, now here's a question. Was Ro- Is Roxanne spelled with two N's or one N? Two N's. That's what I thought, but I second-guessed myself earlier when I was writing it down. Oh, here it is. I'm on IMDb right now. Ba- uh, he's challenged to tell 20 nose jokes. After he tells 18, he asks, how many is that? To which he is told, 14. Yeah. He goes on to tell another six, making 24 in total. Um, here's a question. Were they all written and he memorized it all, or do you think that some of it was improvised? No, I'm sure they were all written. Yeah. I thought so, too, but based on the fact that they screwed up the number, I was like, maybe he improvised a few. Maybe he just went forever, and they're like, okay, we've got enough. Yeah. No, that could very well be it. They just came up with, like, you know, 100 and said, let's pick the 20 best. But how great was that? For anybody who's ever been picked on by somebody who is bigger and stupider than you are, yeah. How great was that little monologue where he wrapped him up and sent him home? Well, that's everyone's dream. It was yeah. great. Yeah. No, seriously, though, <laughs> my mom used to teach me to do things like that when I was a kid because she'd be like, if you ever get picked on for being little or being, quote, smart or, you know, whatever, you can say things like, well, I may be little for now, but you're going to have to live with that face forever. And she I, taught me little quips like Yeah, Daryl Hannah. Yeah, Daryl Hannah. <laughs> I may be little and you might be tall, but someday you're going to not take the pretty woman job. And then two years later, you're going to just take some random stripping movie job. <laughs> you know what's funny about Daryl Hannah? Now she's like a big environmentalist. Is she? Yeah, in 2006, she uh, chained herself to a tree. Was she naked? She might have been. Probably. Um, in her 50s, though, so that's a little weird. Um, to a tree in south central L.A. because... Uh, 
for those of you who don't live in California, in 92, we had the LA riots. And after that, um, they put like basically like a farm in South Central and said, hey, residents of South Central LA, learn how to do some farming on your own so you can A, learn, you know, how to live sustainably and B, how to live on your own in case, you know, the city ever goes up in flames or in an earthquake or whatever. Everybody's like, I don't even have a house. Now you want me to have a garden? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. No, that's, that's what happened. And then a developer who owned the land in 2006 said, screw this, we're putting up a warehouse instead. So Daryl Hannah got on her environmentalist soapbox and chained herself to a tree for three weeks and went to jail. Whoa. She was on a soapbox for three weeks? No, chained? chained to a tree. Chained to a tree? Yeah, for three weeks. Did she go to the bathroom? I don't know. Look it up. And um, then after she did it for three weeks, uh, she went to jail for it, for like disorderly conduct or something. She was probably just pissed about Pretty Woman still. Could be. But she lives in a, a house that's powered completely solarly, and she's like a huge recycler, completely carbon footprint free. Oh, good for her. Yeah. So, um, I think we alluded to this earlier, but I think one of my favorite scenes when I was a kid is actually at the beginning where we're introduced to the Daryl Hannah character by she, um, she's in her robe and her cat goes right outside her door and she, she gets locked outside naked pretty, pretty much. She could have chosen to stay there wearing her robe and be caught in the door. Or why didn't she just, like, try pulling her robe as far as it would go? And if she tore it, she tore it fine. But she'd still have at least half of her robe. That's what I would have done. I wouldn't have just abandoned my robe and run around naked. Yeah, well, it wouldn't have been as sexy, I guess. It was cold up there. This was shot in Canada. So she was a bit nipply, I bet. Yeah, just a little. So she had to run to the (laughs) firehouse. Okay, another favorite thing about this movie I love is that Steve Martin's character is the fire, fire chief. chief for the worst fire station imaginable. Nelson, which, by the way, is a real town in British Columbia. Real. Uh-huh. And I was wondering the whole time, I'm like, is this designed to help Nelson or hurt it? <laughs> well, I guess throughout the whole movie, uh, Steve Martin's dream was that they could be a good enough fire station that people would actually trust calling them in case of a fire. But throughout right. the movie, they're like setting the you know they're the setting, fire station yeah. on fire. <laughs> they can't handle a hose or a cat in a tree. A woman comes naked. They don't know what to do. They didn't know that she was naked. To their credit, Steve Martin was like, "Nope, it's boring. I got it. I'm just going to go and you know do some parkour up to the top of her. <laughs> parkour. Oh, let's talk about Steve Martin, the gymnast. By the way, this is another one of those movies where I was like. Excuse me, logically, if you have a stuntman doing that for you. And he does it throughout the movie. It wasn't just, like, in the beginning in order to get Daryl Hannah back in her house, you know. But, like, literally, he uses the house like it is parallel bars or uneven bars at a gymnastics facility. He just, like, hangs off the eaves of the roof. He's multi-talented, man. And flips. And he's good with a racket. He, like, beat some guys up with a tennis racket. That was awesome. And he held up his other hand like he was fencing. Talented guy, man. Yeah. So what was your favorite scene in the movie? Um, uh, the, the monologue. The monologue. Yeah, that, that was so good. I mean, I enjoyed most of it, but that was my favorite. Did you like um, Rick Rusevich? Is it Rick Rusevich? The, um, the guy that played the, the adult? That Chris? Chris. Yes, actually, because he's one of those people who obviously, again, mean well, but 
have been told they're pretty for way too long and therefore were stunted on the personality and intelligence fronts. What? Are you talking about his, the actor or the character? Character. You know he was in Top Gun. I said character. You know he was one of the guys that yeah, played the, volleyball. Thank you, with like, the muscles. Like Justin this. has like one sleeve rolled up, by the way. Both <laughs> Just sleeves one. now. No, oh, no, because now the other one went down. <laughs> He's mimicking, um, pantomiming really, doing volleyball very badly. This is how Tom Cruise looks at his watch when he's playing volleyball. He's like... Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise in Top Gun. Oh, okay. Did you, have you not seen Top Gun? I've seen parts of it. <laughs> Which in Chrissy Speaks mean <laughs> I haven't seen any of it. I've but, seen the trailer. No, no. Which in Chrissy Speak means we started watching it and then I fell asleep. And then I woke up for the end. <laughs> You're like Old Man River, man. You can't, <laughs> you can't stay awake for one of the movies. That's not true. If we watch it in the middle of the day, I'm fine. <laughs> Matinee. So you're like my grandmother. <laughs> hey, Mama and I sat together during Avatar, and she was fine. Okay, fine, and so was I. Let me tell you that going to see Avatar <laughs> with my grandmother was one of the highlights of my life. <laughs> because I just remember just being so excited that she was going to see it, and then like looking over during the movie, and she's like got the big glasses on. She's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's how Mama laughs. Oh, this movie. <laughs> she loved Avatar. She did. We walked out afterward. And I remember because it had somewhat of a liberal message. And I was like, how is she going to do with this? And I was like, so, Mama, Avatar, what did you think of the message in the movie? And she was like. What did you think? You think, you think like, in the middle of the movie, she's like, whatever. <laughs> kill their tree. Kill them all. <laughs> You're afraid she's going to say that? No. But she was like, I thought it was a very nice movie. Afterward, and I was like, and this is why I like Mamma. Oh, man. <laughs> See, conversations like this make me miss the fact that we're not going home to Carolina for Christmas. It's snowing right now in North Carolina as we speak. Or, or there's snow on the ground. Man. man. Anyway. Well, if anybody wants to pay to send us home for Christmas, we will happily accept your anonymous gift. <laughs> oh, God. I'm just saying. We're giving you all this entertainment, guys. <laughs> We're talking about all these crappy movies that you've probably never seen, and then we're veering off topic throughout the whole time. Hey, hey, cut us a little slack, okay? Rough week. Rough week. Oh, I had to bum it out. I wasn't trying to bum it out. I was just brought back. Mm-hmm. See, we think of home, and I think of my baby, and I miss my baby. Are we done talking about Roxanne? No. What's your final grade about my, Roxanne? Oh, we're going there? Yeah. Um, A minus. A minus. I have to ask you, if you were um, Steve Martin's character mm-hmm. in real life. In real life. Would you get a nose job? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what if you didn't have any money? What would you do? Uh, then I wouldn't get a nose job, obviously. No, I mean, I mean, would it mean enough to you that you would like put it on a credit card or... No, like some people, some people, uh-huh. wink, wink, nudge, nudge, some people, when they really feel like they have almost like a deformity about them and that they need a surgery to correct this perceived deformity, mm-hmm. even if they don't have the money, will find a way, i.e. by getting a loan. Well, this wasn't in his head. This wasn't whatever. in his head and like, you know, he was feeling bad about himself. He had a gigantic nose. Right. And he couldn't, you know... Even sip wine without sipping through in his nose. That's just sad. I don't want to be. I don't want to live with some something like that. 
Right. So even if you didn't have it, you're saying that you would, you know, where there's a will, there's a way you would even put it on a credit card if you had to. Yes. I would put my nose surgery on a credit card if I was... Your rhinoplasty. Steve Parton. Steve Martin. Steve Parton? (laughs) Gee, who's this guy? (laughs) If I were Steve Parton, I would also have surgery because I'm sure my wife Dolly, you know, has had enough for the both of us. You know what? Steve Martin (laughs) is very special in our relationship because when Chrissy and I first started dating, there were certain movies that I would reluctantly show her to see how she reacted and that was a bellwether on how I felt about her. <laughs> like, Are you kidding me? This is news to me, by the way. This is not something we've not like bell- discussed in the past. It's not a bellwether. I mean, if I showed you something that I thought was like my favorite movie of all time. Like The Jerk? Like Back to the Future. Well, I wasn't even saying The Jerk yet, but thanks for getting to the point. Anyway, I showed Chrissy The Jerk, and she <laughs> loved it. I love that movie, so everything was kosher, um, sweet. So, um, Justin Paul Winters. <laughs> yes. Are are you insinuating that had I not loved the jerk, that uh-huh. we may not be together today? No, I didn't say that. Oh. But if you did not love the jerk, and then you did not love, you know, a bunch of other movies, I would have been like, maybe something's wrong with her. <gasps> Besides the obvious. So, forget the fact that... I'm kind of smart, and that I have a good heart, and I rescue dogs, and I love my mom, and people, and... You know what? That was the number one thing. (laughs) I was like, dude, she better love people, because if she doesn't, I'm out the door. And so, you like people, so that's good. Guess what, Justin? But yeah, everyone's like that, if, you know, what? Back to the future. Back to the future? There's no way you hate Back to the Future. Meh. Everyone loves Back to the Future. I know. I was just seeing if you'd break up with me. Let's break up. Oh! I'm, go- I'm going out there to find a woman that loves Back to the Future. I'm going to find a man who loves Titanic. Oh, my God. <laughs> the problem is no one loves Titanic. That's as not true. M- as much as you love Titanic. Samina Mohammed, you are listening, and I know that you love Titanic, too. Uh, Samina, I think you're listening, and I think you are a woman, and we're, <laughs> we're talking about guys that love Titanic. No one, I've sure. never met a guy that watched Titanic, what, 17 times in the theater? 14. I've actually never met a person beside you that has seen a movie that many Samina times. Samina saw it 14 times, and almost most of them were with me. Back me up on this. Please. Oh, man. Titanic. I know. But yeah, I'm glad that you, um, you know... You liked Roxanne as much as you did. I did. I, I wanted to sing the song the entire time. Here's a question. Was the song based on the movie? <laughs> Here's a question. Was that a real question? Or was that a joke? Maybe no. You know that the police who did the song Roxanne predated the movie Roxanne, right? Okay. Was the movie based on... I thought we already established that the movie was based on the play Cyrano de Bergerac. No? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Steve Martin was like, you know what, guys? I know this is, place, this is based on Cyrano, but we should really incorporate the song somewhere in the movie. For Chrissy, for Chrissy's sake, at least. Honestly. Because someday, 
years from now, she will watch this movie. They were like, and ask that question. It's nineteen eighty six. A three-year-old, or actually at that point, two-and-a-half-year-old somewhere named Kristen McQueen, she really wants to hear Roxanne in Roxanne. We should make that happen. Maybe if it's like um, Wizard of Oz and playing uh, Pink Floyd. You don't know about that. Where you what pl- are you talking about? You watch Wizard of Oz and play Pink Floyd. The, the Wall. The Wall. I've heard through of it, And it's supposed to like sync up. Maybe if you just listen to Roxanne over and over on a loop, it will somehow sync up with the movie Roxanne starring Steve Martin. But probably not. No. What was your favorite scene? In uh, this? Roxanne. You know, I I like the scene where uh, Steve Steve Martin's character has decided to help Chris, the adult, the stupid guy that Daryl Hannah has a little crush on. So, Steve Martin makes Chris's character... Where what was it, like a, a hunting hat with the, the, flaps the flaps and like a microphone in his ear, <laughs> and Steve Martin was going to tell him everything to say, and right. the problem was they had a little um, audio problem, and <laughs> the be the guy would be like, uh, "Tell him, tell him you're afraid of words. Tell him you're afraid of words," and the guy would be like, "I'm afraid of worms, Roxanne. Worms." Yeah, yeah. And she was like, "Worms." worms. And then, you know, and, and then the police came out and like, Roxanne! That was definitely the Moulin Rouge version, by the way. <laughs> oh, maybe they sang it like the guy in Moulin Rouge. You don't have to put out the red light. Bought the streets for money. You don't care if it's wrong or if it is right. Roxanne! Must, must be the root beer you're drinking, but you are sauced, man. <laughs> Wow. No, I just get really into Moulin Rouge. Okay. Yeah. That's good. It's a great movie. Anyway, Steve Martin double feature. Uh, kids, if you have any requests for some sort of a, of a holiday or Christmas movie for us to watch and possibly review, uh, let us know. You can find us on Twitter at Chris, K-R-I-S, Winters, all one word, or Justin Winters, all one word, or uh, on Justin's blog, which is dudemanfatph8.com. And uh, since I'm going to be reviving my blog, woo, I should probably plug that too while I'm at it. My blog, if you just Google it, is fetching, like, oh, she's so fetching, and kvetching, K-V-E-T-C-H-I-N-G, which is Jewish for complaining. There yes. you go, fetching and kvetching. Because you're a quarter Jewish. I am. I am a quarter Jewish, and I and I know some Yiddish. I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that right, and it's the name of my blog, to be honest with you. I've always wondered, is it kvetching, or is it fetching, with the K being silent? I don't know. You guys can tell me, but I know what it means, and I use the word correctly, even if I can't pronounce it right. Wow. Yep, there you go. There you go. So find us online. Oh, we watch a lot. We've been actually watching a lot of... Uh... Academy screeners lately, so... Oh, a lot, yeah. Maybe we'll do an Academy screener that isn't Christmassy, but, you know, what the hell. No, we should just do, like, a end of year, like our favorites of the year. Oh, yeah, like a wrap-up. Yeah, like That's a wrap-up. That's a good plan. We're, um... We're geniuses. I've already seen Black Swan, but Chrissy hasn't, oh, so Oh, I'm so excited. We can't watch it, uh, or we can't talk about it yet, but... I want to see it. And then we're seeing True Grit sometime soon. We are. We're seeing that, I think, December 20th. Regardless, please send us your uh, movie suggestions. It doesn't have to be an old thing. It could be something in the theater right now, but uh, let us know. We like to hear from you all. Yay! It makes us feel better. And we love you. And also, um, I know that most of you won't be able to do this, but I just feel like asking. 
if you are looking for some place to put your money this year, I ask that you consider donating to an animal charity. And if you would be so kind as to do it in the honor of our dog, Kylie, uh, I can't tell you how grateful we would be. That's what we would like to do, and if we ever do have the money, we will. But well, if you have an, a disposable income, by all means, donate to an animal charity. Or blank, extra honor. blankets, extra food. A lot of the animal shelters are yeah, hurting. Yeah, so. absolutely, please. Blankets and food, your regular city shelters do, rescues do. Even if you can volunteer a day of your time, it means a lot. Cool deal. Thanks very much, everyone. We will see you next week. Alrighty. Bye. Bye. Happy Hanukkah.